about uh, two years ago, I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and one of the things that I really love about being there is there's a, a number of dear, dear friends who are all um, senior meditation teachers and guiding teachers of their own community. We've been meeting for a number of years together. And we decided to do a day-long retreat and from different traditions, Zen, Tibetan. Barbara Brodsky is, a, is, a, is the leader of the Deep Spring community, and I'm Theravadan. And for many years, whenever I was in town, we would meet and we would share as, you know, as practitioners, as teachers, as people on the path. And for about 10 years before I came in on the scene, they had been meeting. So here's a group of people who've known each other for a very long time. And we decided to do this day-long retreat together. So what we decided to do, rather than each of us give talks, is we decided to sit in some kind of an arrangement and speak to each other, as we often do, as good friends, sharing on the path and to invite everybody in on our conversation. And so I asked Steve if he would be willing to do that tonight. And Steve got to pick the topic. (laughs) (laughs) With with a little bit of encouragement. Just just a touch. So you're invited to listen in. I'm glad we picked an easy topic. (laughs) (laughs) Heartbreak being such a such an intense and acute experience, an emotion. So many things going into it. Reflecting just on that, it's always tied up. It feels like it's almost always tied up with with some kind of relationship, whether it's with loved ones, or with things, a new car, or most recently in my experience with, with pets. We develop these relationships and inevitably they change. And that change it's the point where we end up navigating the whole process we went through to put ourselves in the relationship from the get-go. The self that we've invested in it. And it feels a lot of the time the anxiety and the, and the suffering comes with that heartbreak. It's tied back to how much of ourself we placed in the relationship instead of in our experience. Most recently, with my dog, as you know, he was a big part of my life. But I think more importantly, around the conversation, he was, he was the last relationship that I made before I found practice. And so all of my bad habits that I collected for years. We've all went into that relationship as well. So when he passed, there's this immense sense of heartbreak and heartache that at the time just felt overwhelming. And as it's softened and more time has been more time has passed since it happened, I'm gaining ground back where the the heartbreak is still there. But I can see how much of myself I had placed in the relationship and how much of myself I was using the relationship to define. I was Bailey's dad. I felt the more that I could let go of that idea, that the relationship was defining me, the more I trusted that there was still security and safety in myself 
the easier it was to to work with the heartbreak. The bite came off of it. It wasn't so oppressive. So I felt much of the difficulty was in the defining the place in the relationship. When I um, think about this topic, one of the more recent heartbreaks that I've had to navigate was the the recognition and the process of deciding to leave the community I was part of for 20 years. And uh, it wasn't leaving the teacher, my teacher, that was so hard. It was leaving my sisters. And so when I had a sense of the kind of the transgressions or the, the breaking of faith or confidence or trust that was taking place and that the consequence of that was, was that I needed to leave the, my teacher and the, and the tradition, the community. I didn't experience any kind of real heart wrench about that in relationship to the monks. That was, that felt, that was clear. But I didn't realize the implications was is that in leaving the monks that I would also be leaving the sisters. And when I made that connection, my whole energy system completely dropped out. So I was like um, minimal functioning for about 10 days. You know, all I could do was wake up and eat food and then go back to sleep again. And in my situation, because that resulted in me leaving this whole context, and this whole context had been a process over 20 years of working with quite a lot of complexity and challenge in order to build a fabric which was then eventually safe enough and cohesive enough to then relax into, was the grief of moving out of that into a context that had no support system and no fabric that was holding me. It actually was so challenging that it took many, many months for me to have the resources to even begin to touch the layers of what had been so disrupted. And so for me, the heartbreak in this context was um, the recognition that where I had found myself or located myself was not only about me as an individual person with awareness that was rising and ceasing, but in relationship with this community as a a fabric, like an extension of my own body. And so it felt like um, being amputated, you know, like having my arms and legs just all of a sudden chopped off and not knowing where or how I was going to find the ground to walk again. And certainly there was tremendous grief in, in having to navigate this process, but also an increasing uh, recognition that who we are is, who we take ourselves to be, is through the fabric of the relationships that we form. And so certainly there's been a need to work with the grief and the letting go and the journeying through and the moving on. But there's also been a need to recognize that invaluable component of learning to relax and trust into a fabric that actually holds. And so the grief that I experienced was the, the grief of moving on and the grief of recognizing that I was going to need to reframe who I was in a new context that hadn't yet developed a fabric to hold me. So I needed to find roots into rocks and trees and communities that hadn't yet uh, 
coalesced as something that was necessarily my resting place or my home base. And so as I was navigating this territory with the heartbreak, for me, um, the humbling journey of recognizing that as much as we are um, the makers of our own intentions, we are also the creation of the relationships that we find ourselves in. And these two truths are like interwoven with each other. And one requires letting go, and the other requires honoring and building and developing and trusting. And so my letting go process was also about relaxing into the rocks and letting the rocks hold and support and hold the magnitude of what it was that I was having to navigate and trust that I didn't have to carry it all by myself. You know, when you were talking about the situation with Bailey, you know, for me it was interesting to hear you say that there was something about having enough ground that allowed you to move forward. Can you talk more about that? So when he passed, the the immediate grief and uh, and loss that came was, was very, very acute. It was really incredibly intense. With, in conjunction with a number of other things that were going on, it was overwhelming. I didn't have the physical energy or the, the emotional capacity to deal with the number of things that were coming up around it. Kind of just train wrecked and then tried to dig out from it. And so through the, 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 the process of that, I started in this place with this overwhelming of grief and sadness. And the moving moving toward gaining more ground on it was this, in part, the, just the physical aspect and taking care of myself physically to to build myself back to the point where I had the, the stamina to deal with the entirety of what was happening. But then the bigger part of it was going against the the conditioning that I've had for for years that uh, that men don't cry, that men are strong and we're tough and that stuff doesn't get under our skin, Um, which I've been working with for a long time, but it came back very, very blatantly at that point. And so in order to get enough emotional and mental stamina back, enough ground back, I had to find the place where I could let go of of this idea of strength and definition by that relationship. And let go of that and allow myself to, to kind of drop to the space of knowing that there is enough to hold the grief and to hold the sadness there's enough there for me to do that that I could fall apart that it was okay to fall apart and it was absolutely what was necessary and in honoring those emotions and in honoring that grief and that loss and the, the sadness and the fear of who am I without this relationship 
and in, in honoring just the experience of them and not uh, allowing my mind to seduce me into creating stories about them and judgments on them. That in that space of honoring the, the, the vulnerability of it all, it allowed for it all to be okay. To let go of the, the Steve that I'd created, the Bailey's dad, and come back to just this person who's lost a loved one in a very uh, long and loving relationship. And so that process of letting go and coming into the deeper layers, we, we use the term ground all the time. What does that mean? And it, it gave me the ground. It gave me the, the, the strength and the stamina and the confidence that even that all these things are changing, that there's still the ability to be with it and to relocate from the relationship to the being outside of it that was part of the relationship. It's kind of redefining myself from Bailey's dad to the person who was in a relationship with this wonderful creature. And I'm still doing that. I still look at his picture and cry. And it feels good sometimes. But it took a lot of work to, a lot of patience to loosen the death grip on on that idea of who I was in the relationship. To loosen that and to trust that in letting go there was there was there was enough there to catch me and to support once I'd fall. Well, I can completely relate to the sense of a lot of work and the sense of what is ground needed because, you know, when I left England, I was taking myself outside of this group, and the the specifics were that, you know, the ordination that we had and the recitation that we had was unique to this group. So it was like an ant leading an anthill, you know. It's like, you know, I had absolutely no kind of context except for the group that I had come from. And, you know, when I left, you know, when I made the decision to leave, there was nothing. There was no group. There was no foundation. There was no money. There was no invitation. There was no benefactor. There was nothing that I was going into. There was just a clarity that I needed to leave and that a trusting that there was going to be a way forward. And trusting that there was going to be some kind of a fabric of something that would hold me so that I wouldn't smash to smithereens, you know, after stepping off of this cliff into this abyss. And a net did catch me, you know, Awakening Truth Organization kind of came together before I actually ended up landing back here. People did invite me to come and stay with them. But what I found was, is, is that after I got here and was here for a while, there was enough safety. I was in the hermitage, so I had the space. I had walls to myself, enough space. I was in a neighborhood that was safe enough. And I had met the punks, all right? Then I could fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> and have a warm meal. <laughs> So when I moved into the hermitage, I think it was three weeks before I had the energy to do more than go outside and get the mail out of my mailbox. 
you know, my energy system again completely dismantled. As I began to kind of get a flavor for the magnitude of what it was that I was having to navigate. So for me, the safety came from having space, having rocks, and having a group of people who had expressed interest to be attentive and caring, even though at that point, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand. <laughs> I mean, I so didn't understand what was going on or why this was happening. But I trusted there was, there was a good intention and it was genuine. And then I could, I could trust that. So and it was interesting. There was like the first threads of another community that was offering a kind of field that I could actually relax into that gave the support needed in order for me to understand the level of the dismantling of what it was that I navigated. So this did not happen in isolation. And then the rocks, you know, you know, heaven help me if there wasn't the rocks. That's all I can say, you know. Because these rocks for me would just, you know, they were there all the time, and I was right there. I could just go and press my body into them, and they could hold the magnitude of what it was that I was experiencing was so much larger than my own personal experience. So my personal story was what it was that I was carrying, but it was much bigger than that. And because it was so huge, it was like I didn't have the capacity to navigate what was actually moving through me. It was like I was a lightning rod, and the voltage that was passing through was just so huge. I needed something enormous to ground it and land it. And so just to be able to go to the rocks and to press my body into them or to walk on them or to sit alongside them or just to feel them and to get this sense of these this 250 million year old presence that has watched and seen a lot go down, you know? It was like, you know, whatever I was dealing with was like small, <laughs> like way small, like didn't even register, you know? So to have something that was so huge and so timeless and so vast and so capable of embracing all of that, you know, gave me the confidence that I could allow it to do what it needed to do and anything that I was feeling was welcome. But, you know, so there, there was a context and the context was a place, a community of people and a sense of rootedness and groundedness that if I couldn't access the refuge just in awareness itself, I just needed to have physical contact with the rocks for the rocks to then to be able to evoke that sense in me that something was that big and all-embracing that could hold it. And so, you know, I just feel just tremendously grateful that all of those conditions came together in that way. But what I have also been aware of is, is, is that, you know, to walk off an abyss like that without knowing that there's a net to catch you and to trust that you can be okay has also evoked a kind of confidence even though I have been shaking and crying and trembling like pretty much every step of the way, there's also been the sense of, you know, this practice works, you know. And I, the more I can trust and surrender into that, the more I trust that what's going to unfold is actually going to be wholesome. It's going to be a good thing. I think when part, part of what, what resonates with me about that is that that it doesn't happen alone. It doesn't happen in isolation. You know, at the time, I was I was extremely sick. My system had crashed, and uh, it was punks to the rescue yet again. 
but in that in that interaction and in that care around just around a member of the community and being involved in that community and to have um, that level of concern and support for the months that I was that I was sick inspired some of that confidence and for me in a, in a in a similar way for you with the rocks is for me to participate in the community and seeing all of the all of the energy and all of the spirit and all of the things that continue to happen in each of our lives and the community be able to to hold so that when that happens, something of that magnitude happens, and there's that level of, of of help needed to have that dynamic and that energy be to come back and to help and to support and to to be able to hold space, not necessarily physical space and walls, but but a kind loving, compassionate space to show up and to, to practice and to be able to to hold all of the stuff that's falling apart and catching all of these things as they come apart and being able to hold that and allow it to, to fall apart and then to come back together. And so there's, there's a huge amount of ground that was gained in just simply participating in and showing up and being part of community. Not just this community, but Awakening Truth and the, the, the Sangha and the Springs and family and friends and being involved in this bigger, greater web and coming back to the relationships from the, the frame of reference and participating in them. Kind of the humbling, these are going to change. And so I'm still going to be in them. And it's still going to be an enormous part of this life and who I am and my process and everything that's going on. But I don't have to create the same relationship that created the heartbreak so much and made it so intense. I have the choice of kind of which layer uh, that I create the relationship with, and it opens to a whole, a whole new, kind of a whole new experience in relationship of being able to be and to be supported without losing yourself into it. But it doesn't happen alone. So one of the things that comes from me also is the, um, the sense of resource or the sense of strength. You know, I, there's just no way I would go through something like this unless I had to, you know, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody either. And yet there's a kind of um, confidence or a resiliency that emerges through having navigated this stuff, which makes me feel like you know, there's the capacity to deal with stuff as it arises. And even if I have no map, to hold it together, or I don't have any sense of how the two pieces are, you know, two pennies to rub together, or a sense of what it's going to look like. There's a sense that 
when one surrenders to the process fully and works with the resistance as it's arising and dismantles at each moment what needs dismantling and supports at each moment what needs supporting, that's the path. And that path um, is a kind of universal path independent of the story or the circumstance or the characters. And, you know, when I've gone through these things, it's like, you know, they're so, they're so challenging. I mean, they challenge, they've challenged me to the marrow of my being. And yet, there's none of these challenges that I've been through that hasn't been a blessing as it's been processed and transformed and synthesized and composted in terms of reminding me that, you know, um, I am spirit embodied in human form. And my journey is about waking up to that which is um, in perfect relationship of understanding this uh, dynamic balance between being utterly independent and utterly interdependent. I think maybe that's the dynamic that is easy to overlook kind of lay practice and lay life with work and everything that goes on is that we are all independent and interdependent at the same time and kind of navigating that that relationship a lot of the time where that little demon between the ears starts carrying our story off it seems that a lot of the, the letting go is around is around when we carry those stories too far to one direction or the other where that we're too independent that we're too interdependent because he's slick like that I've heard you say it before then and I can't remember who it's a quote by but letting go a little it's a little bit of freedom I think that's the practice is as we catch ourselves coming off into those letting go of them yes we're independent Yes, we're interdependent. Being in this body, we're stuck with these relationships. We can't run away from them. If we weren't stuck practicing with relationship, then it leaves us lacking. A quote by uh, Stendhal that I like a lot. It's um, a man. A man can gain everything he needs in solitude except character that's a good place to end I think so thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate